0: The church in Ephesus, right. These are the words of Him who holds the seven stars in His right hand and walks among the seven uh, seven golden lampstands. I know your deeds, your hard work, and your perseverance. I know that you cannot tolerate wicked men. See the things that Paul had tried to prepare them for; they had done. He says that you have tested those who claim to be apostles but are not, and have found them false. You have persevered and have endured hardships for my name, and have not grown weary. You know, that's a pretty good list of positives, wouldn't you say? But he doesn't stop there. Verse 4, Yet I hold this against you. You have forsaken your first laws. Remember the height from which you have fallen. Repent and do the things that you did at first. You know, so Jesus, after He points all the strong things they have done, and He really gives more positives than He does negatives, doesn't He?
1: Yeah.
0: You know, but, but God doesn't evaluate us like that. It's not a matter of good on one side and bad on the other. Amen. He says, you don't love me as you did at first. And he then says, repent and do the things that you did at first. And so, when we're talking about return to me, we're talking about this. We're talking about loving Jesus the way we did at first. Do you remember what it was like when you first fell in love with Jesus? Do you remember the spirit that you had you remember how the sense of just, man, this is going to be fantastic? This is what Jesus was talking about.
2: When we hear first love, I think um, for us romantics, we think back hopefully to your when you fell in love with your spouse. And um, we have a picture of us that probably some of you have already seen. That was our first love. That was on our honeymoon. And, um, you know, it's, it's so exciting to remember and how often we can forget. But we need to remember what that first love felt like. Um, you know, um, it's, uh, it's interesting that I thought, you know, we really have two love stories that we get to share in an ongoing way. Our love story with our spouse, you know, the, the love story that we had to tell when we first met each other and all of that story. But then our love story when we met Jesus. And that is a story that we need to continually tell. Um, But when we think about our love story with each other, um, we really need to remember this. And, you know, we do this with our newlyweds group. Some of you have been in that group. That when a newlywed couple comes into our group, we have them share their love story. How they met, how they started dating, and um, the things that they love about each other, some things that way. And it's not unusual for newlyweds to kind of tell their story. But what about five years later? 10 years later, 15 years later, do we still talk about our love story? Um, most of you know, we, we've just had a wonderful, wonderful holiday time with our whole family. All 17 of us were in San Diego together. And uh, driving back home, we were bringing um, the Yatman family that live in D.C., we were bringing them back to fly back home. And so we had two of our granddaughters riding in the back seat with us. And as we drove along, they said, no, no, we want you guys to tell us about your story. And we said, what, which story? Well, when you started dating and all of that. So it was so much fun to be able to go back to our college days when we met and tell them our story and have them ask questions about it. Um, what a joy it was to tell our grandchildren that and have them interested in it. Um, but then, you know, the real test is what about now? What about the years later? And this was our 50th anniversary year. And while we were all together, we got to celebrate our 50th wedding anniversary with our own family. So here we are 50 years later. And, um, you know, it was really special. The, the kids and grandkids all celebrated for us, and they sent us off to go to a movie while they cooked steak and shrimp and decorated the whole place, and the grandkids did the decoration. So I have to show you some of the signs that they made. Our love is like a fairy tale. Your love is like a fairy tale was one of them. And then one of our favorites by our seven-year-old grandson was, together, you will always be our superheroes." And he had the the tape and all of that and the fire. I don't know what all of it (laughs) was But um, those are just a couple of them. But you know, what a joy it was to celebrate with our kids and grandkids. And one one of the comments our teenage granddaughters often say is, Papa Nona, you're so cute. And their parents are saying, Well, why is it that you're cute and we're not? (laughs) There's a little age difference there. But, you know, really, when we think about our love story and what even motivates us, why do we do what we do? You know, 50 years later, why do we do what we do? Even when you were dating, why did you do what you did? Um, In your early marriage, why did you do what you did? Was it because you had to? Okay, now we're dating, so now... He's going to be gone, so I have to write him every day. You know, We wrote letters every day for the whole summer. And nobody told us we had to do that. That was something we wanted to do.
1: Yeah. You know, when you have
2: that first love, you want to give to each other. You want to do things for each other. And even years later, our kids teach me about doing some things for Papa, like I did. like blow your his hair sometimes. <laughs> I didn't have to do that. I wanted to do that. But, you know, why do you do what you do? For your spouse? With your spouse? But more than that, why do you do what you do for God? Is it ought to? Is it somebody's going to check up on you? Or is it because you love God and it's coming from your heart? That's what God wants. And,
0: again, Remember back what it was like when you first fell in love with Jesus, and you know, all of us probably did some wild, crazy things, didn't we? Yeah. Just like when we were dating, we did some wild, crazy things. And and when you when you really think back, those were some amazing times. Some really incredible things happened in our lives because of the things that we did just out of sheer love. For Jesus and his church. And even collectively, when we were back in Boston, of course, we sent a lot of churches out from Boston, and 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 there were some mission teams that just did wild, crazy things. For instance, the church that that are the team that went to Bombay, India, they decided on their own, nobody told them to, that we're going to just take what we can put in one suitcase. Each of us one, per, one suitcase per person on our mission team. Now, imagine that today. Can you imagine with your family today going with one suitcase? That in your mind, you're going for the rest of your life, and everything else you're going to give away are you going to sell? Why did they do that? Because they wanted to. Because in their hearts, this was what they wanted to do. And it was, a, it was an amazing thing. And God blessed that team. Yep. And that small beginning there of, of that 8 or 10 people that were on that first mission team, today in India there are thousands of Christians. Yeah. Yeah. But I think it's because those people loved Jesus and did what they wanted to do. Yep. And God blessed it. It's an amazing thing. Another uh, team that's a hero team to me is, is the team that went to Joburg, uh, uh, Johannesburg. Yeah. And that was a time, remember, when Mandela was in prison. Apartheid was in full bloom. It was against the law for blacks and whites to worship together. Uh, They couldn't live together. They couldn't go to school together. But we in Boston decided we need to send a mission team to South Africa. And yes, it needs to be multiracial. And so we put out the call in the church in Boston. We said... We would like to send 20 people to Johannesburg for the mission team. And by the way, we would like for 10 of them to be black. And so we put together a multi-racial racial team with 10 whites and 10 blacks that went to Johannesburg, South Africa. They didn't know what they were going to face there. They didn't know what they were going to jail. They you know what they did? They did it because they wanted to. There was no discipleship partner that said, You need to go to Johannesburg." It was a matter of this is what they're, they love Jesus, they love the kingdom, this is what they wanted to do. And of course we know the rest of the story. Yep. Apartheid's overthrown. Today there are literally thousands of disciples in Amen. South Africa because of the faith of that first team that went. Amen. Back in 1986 in Boston, we were sending out mission teams. We didn't have a lot of money. There, there were not all that many of us. At that time there were about 2,000 of us in the church. And we decided that we were going to set a goal for our mission contribution of raising one million dollars. Now, there had been never any church in history, as far as I know, certainly not in the main churches of Christ, that had ever given us a million dollars in a year for missions. But we decided that we're going to sacrifice. We want to do this because this is important that we send out these mission teams. And people sold houses, they sold cars, they did all these things. And so a goal of $1 million, you know how much was given? $1.8 million was given. Why? Because they had to? No, because they wanted to. Because they loved Jesus. Do you remember what it was like with you? Do you remember the sacrifices that you made willingly? You would have done anything for God. How about today? How about today? Is it like that? You know, the call is to repent and do the things that you once did. You know, you can't love Him when you're not being with Him. And I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this. You, you, you know that we've got to spend time with God. You've got to spend time with Jesus. You know, when, when Gloria and I were dating, we couldn't be together enough. In fact, the problem we have in dating relationships, is we not want to be together too much, Right. <laughs> But is that, do we lose that with Jesus? Do we lose that with God that that we just can't give enough time with Him? Or does it become an ought to, haven't had my quiet time today, I need to get in before I go to bed. Yes, I'll go read five minutes. You you understand what I'm talking about here? It's a spirit that we really have in Him. And you know what? You can't walk the walk without Him. Right, yes, that's right. God just made us that we cannot do it by ourselves. We need help in our lives. And yes, we need discipling relationships. We need discipleship partners. And we decided we're going back to one-on-one discipling relationships. You say, well, I love a discipleship group. You know what? We're still going to have a discipleship group. <laughs> But discipleship groups are not enough. Why? Because if you're not doing well, you can hide in a group. Yes. Right. We all know that. You, you, you don't get that much time in a group. We need a relationship. One-on-one, someone that really knows me. I really know that we're sharing our lives together in that way. And, yes, we need Edwards. Check that. A uh, loud amen from Henry. <laughs> you know, being together just on a Sunday and just in a small group is not enough. Right. We, we just can't do enough teaching right. that we need to do. And, and we really need to be together in, our, in, in having midweeks. And so we made the decision we're going back right. to having midweeks, men and women, together in this way. Now, let me say this. We've we tried these things in the past. We've tried just the men meeting together. We've tried just the women meeting together. You know what? Whatever we tried, 20 to 30% still do not regularly attend. Right. This is an indictment, guys. This is not right.
1: on This needs
0: to change. And, you know, let me say this from the elders and evangelists standpoint. We need your help. God has given the elders and the evangelists a charge that is very, very heavy. That is Hebrews chapter 13, verse 17. He says, They who keep watch over you as men who must give an account. You know what that means? It means that we the elders and the evangelists are before God going to have to give an account for all of you under our charge. How you have done. And if you've not done well, you know what? We're going to have to get accountability for that. The question comes, how in the world can we do that? There are a thousand people in the coastal region. We've got four elders. We've got about four evangelists. How in the world can we possibly know how everybody's doing There's no way on earth we can do it without discipling relationships and without midweeks about things like that. So we need your help to help us fulfill the responsibility that God is putting on us because we are responsible for you. We've got to answer to God whether or not you're doing well or not. And if someone walks away from God, I'm going to have to answer to God and say, Why? Were you aware of this? Did you help? Whatever. So I I, I take that charge very, very seriously. Now, don't forget (laughs) the money part. (laughs) I want you to turn over with me. The only other verse I'm going to read together right here is Proverbs chapter 3. And I want to read that with you because uh, just in case you don't have this underlined and marked and starred, uh, I want you to take the opportunity to do it right now. Because one of the things you learn about God is God is the same yesterday and today and forever. The God of the Old Testament is also the God of the New Testament. you ever notice that? Yeah. yeah. He, he didn't suddenly get converted to the New Testament and discover grace. I mean, it's the same God and He has the same principles and the same expectations all the way through. Right. And one of these principles and expectations is here is in Proverbs chapter 3, in verse 9. It says, Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the firstfruits of all your crops." See, one of the things that's been true of God all the way through Old Testament and New Testament <coughs> is God demands the very best of what we have. Right. Right. He demands not the leftovers of our time. He demands not the leftovers of our money. He demands the first. He demands the best. And, and we've got to understand that it's not okay to give God what we have left over at the end of the week or the end of the month. He's supposed to get the first. Right. He's supposed to get the very best that we have. And, and so in, in Malachi chapter... Uh, let me back this, this one up here. In Malachi chapter 3 verse 8, well, a man robbed God, yet you robbed me. And of course the question comes back, well, how do we rob you? And the answer is, in tithes and offerings. Because it was true of the Jews. They were not giving God the best. And the same applies for us today. Are you giving God the best that you've got? Of your time, of your money, of, of everything that is involved in that way. And yes, right now we are talking about money. Let's talk about our regular contributions. Yeah. Yeah. Let's talk about minimum wage. In California, minimum wage is $8 an hour, unless it's gone up since then. I think this is still right. $320 a week turns out to be about $17,000 a year, or for a couple, be about $34,000. Okay, but let's, let's assume even a worse situation. Let's talk about poverty level. And poverty level in California for a couple is $20,000 a year. So if, if you make less than $20,000 a year, you're considered poverty level in California. I doubt very seriously that we've got more than one or two people in the coastal LA are poverty level. But let's assume this was... Your poverty level, and this is the way that you're going to sacrifice, so that you are making about $400 a week. If you were to tithe on $400 a week, that means your tithe would be $40 a week. Now, I want you to think how much you give right now. Poverty level giving and tithe is $40 a week. So if you as a couple are giving less than $40 a week, it says that you are... Poverty level. Now, question comes, Malachi 3, are you robbing God? That's right. See, this is very serious. That's right. I, I'm, I'm saying some very strong things here because I That's want to be are. Here's the truth. One out of three, one out of three in South Bay give less than poverty level. I do not believe that one out of three in South Bay Live poverty level. Right. So you one out of three, if you're in the room, this fits you. I challenge you. Are you robbing God? Are you giving God the first fruits? Now, now, first of all, we are giving to God primarily. We're not just giving to the church, so if you don't like the way the money's finished, not okay to say, well, I'm not going to give because I don't like the way the money finished if you don't like the way the money spent, please come to the elders and talk about it. Right, man. But you're not giving primarily to the leaders. You are giving to God. Right. Yeah. And, and, and so the first one is don't rob God. Don't rob God. But there are implications of not giving sacrificially. We have just sent Reuben and Marina to lead Long Beach. You know why we've done that? We did it because we don't have the money to bring in another couple. Right. Come on, so we have taken one of our two youth minister couples to lead a region or to lead a sector because the giving is not sufficient to bring in somebody else. Right. Right. This is a tragedy. Yeah. This is wrong. Yeah. And I want to challenge those of you that are not giving sacrificially, please examine your hearts. Let me tell you this. If the one-third that I talked about were to give the poverty level giving that I'm talking about, you know how much we would raise our contribution a year? $100,000 a year. That would easily cover a couple to do that. So there are implications if you are not giving Sacrificially, And just just to say, don't forget about online giving. This is a convenience. I love online giving. I don't have to remember to bring my checkbook. I don't have to remember if we, we don't meet together one week to give double the next week. You know, we do this in all sorts of things, don't we? I do this with my mortgage. I do this with my credit card debt. Whatever, it's auto-pay. And it doesn't—it doesn't take away the specialness of your giving, because you're giving from your heart. It's just a way to help you in your discipline of doing it. But let's talk about our special contribution for a minute. First of all, thank you for helping us make our goal. And I think that this is the first year, probably in about five years, that we have made our special mission contribution goal. And, And praise God for that, because it is so needed. Lori and I have spent a month this past year in the Middle East. And let me assure you, they need every penny we give. We spent time in Mexico City, and of course half of our money goes to help out Latin America. They need every penny that we give. But you know, the truth is, more than one out of three gave zero to special contribution. My question is why? In your heart, why would you give nothing? The special contribution. What are you saying to God if you don't give the special contribution? Are you saying I don't love missions? I don't want to see the world evangelized? I have higher priorities than to give that money? What what is it? Ask yourself, I'm not asking you to tell me. Ask yourself examine your heart. Do you love Jesus the way you love Jesus at the beginning? It blows my mind that someone could give zero to special contribution. You can give something to special contribution. First of all, you've missed a great opportunity if you're a parent to teach your kids. Yes.
1: Right, right.
0: When you when you sacrifice for something like special contribution and you plan for it and you talk about it and you get them involved with it and you get them help plan, what can we give up? You, back in the days in Boston. We, we would together as a family. We'd say we will we will do without meat one day a week. We'll do this one. And we can save this much money, and so it was a family affair. We learned as a family about sacrifice. You're missing an opportunity to teach your family. That's just one thing. If you're not giving to special missions, but there is another reason. There are many needs that we're not meeting. Yes, we did need goal, but that doesn't mean that's all the money we need. Andy and Tammy Fleming have been instrumental in the Middle East for a number of years. They have. Phased out as they've moved to Birmingham, England, but they're still very involved. We need Andy to continue as a teacher in the Middle oh, East Man. as well as being a, a minister in England, but we need $10,000 to do that. We don't have the money. If, if one out of three here had given the money, we would have had enough money to put 10 Andy's in a situation. See, your part counts, and you need to realize that it counts. Let me just say one other thing here about sacrifice. I hope you're planning on going to San Antonio. It's just like special contributions. This is such a great time to teach your family. You know, whether you drive, whether you fly, the time you're going to spend there... Being together with 10, 15, even 20,000 Christians with classes for every, this is going to be life-changing. Right. This is going to be such a, this is worthy of sacrifice. Am I going to say that you're not pleasing God if you don't go to sit? No, I'm not saying that. I'm saying in your heart, can we do this? Can we responsibly do this as giving God the first fruits? Because God will bless us in incredible ways. Yeah.
2: And when when you're in love, when your heart motivates you out of love, um, it's evident, isn't it? And uh, when you're excited about something, the whole world knows about it. You don't have to be around me long to have me tell about my grandkids or our family. Um, you'll hear about all the, the things that we did on the holidays if you're around me. Uh, I usually wear my grandmother's necklace, you know, that has all my grandkids on it, and love to tell people about it. I have my grandkids' pictures and our family pictures on the iPad that I'll quickly show you. You know, it, you talk about what you're excited about and what you love and how you feel about things. How is the love for God motivating us like that? Um, You know, it's it's challenging when we hear the things that we've just heard and talked about, about just practical ways that we show our love. But more than that, what do we talk about? What do we share with people? Is our love for God overflowing so that we're sharing our faith, that we're um, studying the Bible with people, we're talking to people about how much we love God and what we see God doing in our lives, and how much we want things for them? Uh, for them to know jesus and if we really love him uh, it will be evident to the people around us we can't help but talk about it and share what god has done for us and i pray that 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 will be the kind of motivation in heart that will be evident to all
0: and, uh, as i say in just a moment we're going to be taking contribution or we are going to be taking contribution but we're going to be taking communion in just a moment and uh Really, this this whole idea of return to me is it, really, in a sense, to help us prepare for the whole year. Yeah, right. to help us prepare for our, our communion today. Yeah, because we do need to examine ourselves, and hopefully, I've said at least one thing today that's been challenging to you. And, and just in case I haven't, let me give you another one. <laughs> <laughs> Not all that familiar with this group, but given the midway tennis, I would guess that probably one third is not here today. I'd like for you to look around, the ones in your group that are not here, and then follow up with them. You see, we are our brothers' keepers.
2: Right. Right, and, and
0: we are responsible for one another. Uh, we are Christians on patrol. <laughs> <if you want. laughs> And, and, and we need to take care of one another. right. And and so please follow up. And if someone is not attending regularly, if someone is, you, you know that they're struggling, please get involved in their life and really help them and really be a brother's keeper in that way. You know, we, we've compared the love with Jesus with our love for one another as husbands and wives. You know, you remember the time that you went into the water? Yeah. We all said our marriage vows to Jesus, didn't we? We all, every single one of us, if we've been baptized, said Jesus is Lord. And and, and that's a statement of fact, hopefully. The question is, is it true today? Can you honestly say that Jesus is the Lord of your life? He's in control of your finances. He's in control of your time. He's in control of your, of your priorities. He's in control of every aspect of your life. What we were, we're saying, let's examine our lives. Because all of us have shortcomings. So Satan always messes us up and, right. and causes us to have blind blindsides. That's yeah. one reason we need each other. Yeah. 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 But let's really figure out for this year, what are my blind sides? What do I need to grow in? What do I need to return to Jesus? What areas? Can, can, am I not truly able to say, Jesus is Lord of my life in this area? And, and let's change in that way. You know, marriage is not a 50-50 proposition. Right. Marriage is a 100-100 proposition. Both have to give 100%. And you know what, God, He gives way beyond 100%. And we need, to give one, we need to give our very best to God. And, you know, He said... Anyone who does not give up everything cannot belong to Him, cannot be His, in a sense, cannot be married to Him. And that's really the call for every one of us. And it's a call that needs to be renewed. I mean, we've been around 5 years, 10 years, 15 years. It's gets challenging to read through the Bible for the 20th time and find some things in things, doesn't it? Or to hear sermons that you say, well, I've heard that sermon before, I know where he's going. But it's also true in our marriage, isn't it? I mean, we've been through the same thing before, right? There you go. Yeah. The question is, how do we keep it new and exciting? Yeah. The same challenges with Jesus. We need to work just as hard in keeping it new and exciting with Jesus. Yeah. So let's really examine ourselves when he says, return to me. Yeah. Let's pray together as we take our communion. Father, we are so very thankful for your love, for your patience, for your call to come back to you, for your renewal. And Father, I pray you'll help each one of us to truly examine our hearts and to see what areas we have fallen short in. And not to go on that guilt trip, but to really change and repent and really be what you want us to be so that we can be faithful mates of yours and useful to you your kingdom. Father, we thank you for the price that you paid and that he paid in his body and his blood. We pray through Jesus.
1: Amen.